For fuck's sake, take them out of your ears. Sounds like a porno. Ew! Welcome to another episode of Let's Rewatch. I'm Nick. I'm Brett. I'm Sam. And I'm Ash. And I got a question for you guys. Who framed Roger Rabbit? <laughs> the weasels. <laughs> Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> I don't remember if that's Wait. actually who framed him. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, yeah, that might actually be quasi-accurate, but yeah. let's let's move on. <laughs> So yeah, we're going to watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988. The year I was born. I was You're welcome. That is fascinating. I was just going to ask how old you all were. That was the year I was probably definitely Don't in see. progress. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, as 88, man. That's birth birth year. I was 10 years old. Wow. And this was like I was the audience for this movie. Yep. Yeah. I was so into this. I'm movie. kind of surprised that I s- I've even seen this movie before, just because it's like you know came out in '88. Yeah, Mr. Window. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of in the animation world reveal or rever- revered as the movie that saved animation. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Because I thought that was Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> No. I do not know if you're joking. No, I'm I'm not joking. Oh, because I've never seen it. That was much later. I think that was like 93 or 94. So this is 88 back when like Disney was having a really rough time. And they thought nobody liked animation anymore. Oh, it's over. It's all about action, live action movies. And this combined the two. And it was a big fucking deal. And it like got people interested in Disney again. Disney then came out with Little Mermaid after, which was a huge success. And it kind of led to their whole second golden age. It oh. Andreas Deja was one of the lead animators, if not the head animator on this. And he was What like, about Richard Williams? R- F- Richard Williams, yes. He he was a big part of it. Um and it just like birthed the whole age of animators that made basically all of your childhood shit that you know and love. Wow. All that childhood shit. Yep. <laughs> that we love to that would ruin. Be, that would be interesting. <laughs> Do you know what Disney was doing right before this? I think Black Cauldron. Okay. Hmm. I so. I think that was like 87 or 86 and it like they almost closed down the studio and wow. then it was bad and then they brought in Katzenberg um, and a couple other guys who I can't remember off the top of my head. And Jeffrey Katzenberg did a lot of like re-releasing of the old stuff to like now on VHS to like oh. bring in revenue for the new things and like make From it the a Disney household. Vault. Yeah, exactly. So was he the one that invented the taking it out of the vault bullshit? I don't know. It kind of sounds like it, maybe. Sounds like it. But I don't know when they coined the term Disney Vault, but he literally did it for the first time. (laughs) He was like, hey, now you can own these. And everyone was like, whoa, really? It was a big deal. There's such priceless artifacts. 
I have to own a copy. Yeah. I That's what my mom thought. We had like, I, I want to say almost every single Disney movie on VHS mm-hmm. uh, through like most of the 90s, like ev- just everything. And that was like totally her atti- attitude about it, which is like, we need all the Disney movies. So then are you guys really excited to subscribe to Disney's online streaming service? God, no, too little, too late. Just like HBO and their service, like you had to do it at the time that Netflix and Hulu took over. Yeah. Because it, nobody wants to fucking have all the burden of owning cable, but now you have to pay ten separate bills, and like yeah. it yeah. costs the same as cable. Like they completely missed the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Disney Vault two point Yeah. Also, like yeah, they're gonna have a lot of backlash to deal with. It's a little niche, I think. I don't. I mean. Disney has the the Disney movies for the age group that watches Disney movies all the time. But like they don't have a a huge like all audiences uh, like, uh I don't yeah, think that's true. That's well no, I guess true. they have Marvel now. Now I forgot oh, I guess about they have that. Star Wars too. Yeah. yeah. Also they You know what? I guess I, uh, erased my statement <laughs> from the record. Stricken. Also they own like Miramax and like all these other oh, things like that aren't actually. Stuff. You yeah. guys got me like in this in this animation mindset, and I just forgot that Disney actually owns everything for a second yeah. there. Yeah. So this is going to be our return to Mr. Zemeckis. Uh, we watched Romancing the Stone a few weeks or months ago. Um, so Romancing the Stone was 1984. Then Back to the Future was 85. And then... Uh, Zemeckis didn't do anything except an episode of Amazing Stories until Roger Rabbit in 1988. So this is pretty much Back to the Future Zemeckis. Like he was coming okay. right off of Back to the Future. Oh, wow. Even though it was like three years later. Oh. That was his previous big movie. Was that 85? Yeah, Back to the Future is 85. Okay. Wow. You got to remember that. Uh, yes. I don't know. In my head, I felt like it was 87 a little later. Right, but he's in 1985, he goes back to 1955, and later he goes forward uh, to 2015. It's all part of the story. Uh, I forgot. I'm not good with numbers. Uh, <laughs> so do you guys remember who's in this movie? I for, I totally forgot that Christopher Lloyd was in this movie until okay. we talked about this on another podcast recently. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, that I'm excited for that because I totally forgot that he's in this yeah, I think that's a pretty big deal. And I remember it being kind of a big deal. And it was probably just because of Back to the Future for me. He got really big in Taxi, which was like 1978. He's in Taxi? Yeah, the, the original TV show, the sitcom from oh, the 70s. Oh, I not thought you taxi driver. about the... F- yeah, that's yeah. Taxi. No, not Taxi Driver. No, the... One with Judd Hirsch and Danny DeVito. I was like, I really don't remember him in Taxi Driver. <laughs> that would be a weird film for him to be in. But yeah, this was right in between Back to the Futures. So it's that definitely that era of Christopher Lloyd. Okay. So he when he was like super hot shit on top? I guess so, yeah. Guess so. If you yeah. need an old man, call Christopher Lloyd. Well, he, had, he was a pretty brilliant comedic actor. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I forgot to look up when Clue was, but goddamn, he's so good in Clue. Wait, he's in, he's in Clue. Yeah, 
Whoa. I love the the bit in Clue when they're first arriving at the house and he has somebody in the car with him and he pulls up to the house, but he just stops. And she says, why did the car stop? He says, it's frightened. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that so much. That movie's full of great stuff. I have to do Clue Clue for the podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the random ending. Yes. So do you remember anybody else in this movie? There's the guy, no. and I can't remember his name. Oh, right the now. guy, yeah, the guy. He had the stuff. <sighs> the guy with the rabbit. I'm not gonna remember. Yeah, uh, you may remember him from such hits as Super Mario Brothers. Yes, and Hook. Oh yeah, he was Shmi. Yeah. Oh, God, what's yeah. that guy's name? Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I, I think uh, I, I, I'm sure he did a bunch of stuff in Britain before, but. He was in The Wall, the Pink Floyd movie in 1982. Really? Oh, yeah. He was like the manager. He was Pink's manager. Oh, wow. Um, he had to like pull him out of the stupor during Comfortably Numb. Hmm. That guy. Um, Cotton Club in Brazil. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Brazil. Yeah, I don't remember him in Brazil. That was a weird part. Yeah. He's the one that they like break into his house from, right? Like through the roof? That yeah. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I think so. But that's all before Roger Rabbit. Like everything I know him from is after Roger Rabbit. Like Hook and Mario Brothers and so on. Yeah. So this clearly I didn't see The Wall when I was 10. So this must have been the first time I saw Bob Hoskins. Wow. And somebody else who we've seen very recently in this movie. Really? This one's a little harder. Is it the voice of a character? Yes, it is. Oh, shoot. I definitely don't know who voiced any of the characters. Uh, so Kathleen Turner for Romancing the Stone oh. is Jessica Rabbit. Oh. And then our anchor here is Charles Fleischer as the voice of Roger Rabbit. Hmm. What, what else has he done? He's, you know, I, I came into this thinking like, oh, yeah, Charles Fleischer. He's awesome. He's done... And then I looked at his IMDb listing, and I thought I was going to find a bunch of voice acting, and I didn't. Hmm. Um, so I think Charles Fleischer is definitely one of those people who you've seen a lot, and he's in a lot of movies. But everything I look on this list, I don't remember him. Like, hmm. he was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Don't remember that. Really? What uh, does he look like? He might have been the sleep doctor. That's a terrible picture of him, too. He looks deformed. <laughs> wow. Does he look familiar? No. Yeah, I remember him being like a very animated sort of guy, and I thought he did a lot of voices. I guess he did a voice in Rango. Oh. He was in Back to the Future 2. Don't remember that. Okay. Hmm. Um, I think he might have been a stand-up comedian. Hmm. Yeah, so he's been in a lot of stuff. You've seen him. He's kind of cool, but not that recognizable. But what is interesting, and, and Sam, you'll probably have some thoughts on this, I was seeing that a lot of the original slash current cartoon voices oh, yeah. were in yeah. this movie. Like yeah. apparently Mel Blanc did all of his characters in this movie. Uh-huh. Um the current Betty Boop was in this. Oh wow. Um was the, Tony the current Anselmo? Goofy. Yeah. Uh I don't remember the name. Tony Anselmo is the guy that plays um Donald Duck. Oh. Yeah, he he is in this. Yeah. I thought you were asking about Betty Boop. Donald oh, Duck no, is sorry. in this movie? Yeah. That's Jeez, what's really remarkable about this is like there's no separation of like church and state. Like it's Disney and every other cartoon character in the same movie, which is wow. very unusual. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess the closest we've seen to that would be Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. But even then... Which seemed like they wanted to do stuff they couldn't. Yeah. There's no reason why Mario is not in Wreck-It Ralph. Well, except they couldn't make any deals. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, except Nintendo hates everyone else. Well, I think, going back to Bob Hoskins, I think Nintendo is nervous about getting involved with movies. Because mm. when they've tried it, it really flopped. Is Bob Hoskins nervous about getting involved in movies? No, he was, he was Mario. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I was trying to draw a connection there. You know what's, what's interesting, too, is like the not just getting any deal, but like I'm surprised. I feel like this is a movie that, if, if I'm remembering it correctly, doesn't seem like it would be made today. Uh, because all of these child-friendly characters are in yeah. a kind of an adult-themed movie. Very adult-themed, yeah. from mm-hmm. what I remember. Like, I mean, we've all seen the movie, right? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I have. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I, I remember distinctly the hanky-panky scene. Oh, not <laughs> hanky-panky, um, patty cake. Patty, patty cake, cake. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Where it's just like I, I feel like even when I was a child, I understood what. But what I think was that's really the happening. brilliant part. Like for the people who don't, for the kids who don't understand that, they're playing patty cake. And for sure. the people who do understand it, it's just a you know. Yeah. But it's also like you could see in that 1920s film noir jargon them actually saying patty cake when they mean something else. Right. And like I, th- I could see a serious movie saying patty cake. I think that's one thing, but they like actually have the scene and she gets yeah. like all like, like yeah. <gasps> patty cake, you know, yeah. like super like, okay. <laughs> but a little, little kid wouldn't be phased by that. I guess. And would start doing creepy things that would make the parents uncomfortable. <laughs> I just remember even as a kid being like, whoa. Whoa. Well, there's that oh. stuff, and then there's like, uh, you know, I feel like a big part of, of the movie is, uh, I mean, racism, like a huge amount, R- replace t- Tunes and Toontown with any other t- subculture town in a major city, and then you've got a movie about racism, and like... Mm. Is it is it racism, or is it class war? It's... A little like bit the, of both. There's the a lot of... The rich people versus the poor people. I feel like I've heard that argument before that it's about racism. Yeah. Yeah, I guess yeah. I guess if you call the cartoons a race, then yeah. That is certainly not a stretch at all. Yeah, and I think they they're kind of intertwined a little bit because uh yeah. if I remember correctly, like the a big part of the plot is this very like, you know, capitalist like you know the the corruption of of the capitalist system affecting an entire minority group sort of plot it's like it's pretty intense for a kids movie honestly yeah well yeah. it it ties into something that i want to talk more about after we've watched it but this is a true story i was going to just talk about that a little bit Would, too and do you want to get into that now or do you want to wait until I, we've seen it i think we it? should wait until after okay and it's also funny, we just last night, the four of us went to see Reggie Watts in concert. And in one of his little improv riffs, he was talking about yeah. exactly the scenario that happens in this movie. Didn't he even mention Roger Rabbit? 
He may have. There is sometimes the vocals were so loud I couldn't understand. I think he like straight up mentioned Roger Rabbit, and I was okay. like, "That's really weird." Well, he's definitely <laughs> talking about the scenario that takes place in this movie. Oh wow! Yeah, I I honestly don't remember much about the movie. Okay, except for like the key scenes. So I don't know. I I don't feel like I can even speak towards it being about racism because I don't even remember the plot that much. I just know I've heard that comparison before. Well, we'll, it'll definitely give us some stuff to talk about after the movie because I think that's all quite valid. So I can't remember the last time I saw this movie in whole, but the last time I saw clips of it was literally in the presence of Richard Williams himself, which is pretty fucking rad. Was, that's the animation director? Yeah. Okay. He was like wow. the one that did the animation in um, England. Thief and, Thief and the Cobbler. Thief, he did Thief and the Cobbler. Um, oh. Yeah. He's super cool. So you and him were just like chilling and watching this movie together? No. At uh, my old job, I got a hookup for tickets where he was like doing a talk. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. So then what are you expecting out of this, Sam? I'm not going to lie. I have pretty high expectations. I think it's going to be really good. The animation, I think, I don't know if it'll be like the best quality. I can't remember what that looked like. But mm. like in terms of compositing and how it looked and for it being one of the first times for doing a film like this, I remember it looking very good. The story is super fun and it appeals to adults and kids, which was one of the first times that that happened in animation You're history. welcome, Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. And, and, you know, you, you have to really think about not just the animation, but the way the animation interacts with the live action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the whole freaking it's, point it's here. It's pretty impressive. I mean, just knowing what goes into traditional animation, because this is at a point in time when it was done on paper, and mm. then you have to ink it on a cell, and then you have to shoot it. Wow. So, I like stop motion, kind of, but v- very similar. Yeah, very similar in that you have like a down shooter, and then this whole thing. Um, but it, it's an insane process, and then to want to combine that with live action, like it's a huge undertaking. So would they have to, in this scenario, obviously they'd shoot the live action first and then they would animate to it. And then do they put the frame over a film strip of, you know what I mean? Like a frame of the film? I don't. And shoot that? Like onion skin against a live action plate? I Uh don't remember. I do know that the animators had like printouts of the live action that they had like behind their scene to kind of animate to. Mm. Um, I don't remember how they shot it. If it was at a time when they could put them over each other digitally i imagine they would have done that but i don't think they had that capability <laughs> yeah, yeah i don't think so i 88. mean when was last starfighter <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah i don't think they had any of that i don't think they did either and then little mermaid was the last animated film to be painted by hand like with ink and paint 
So that was a year after this. So this was definitely inked and painted on its own. So it didn't go into a computer before that process. So. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I when I was looking for GIFs and stuff to post to the Twitter account, because I was like, oh, Roger, Roger Rabbit's winning. I was impressed just by looking at the GIFs of the animation and like how, like you said, how it's interacting with the humans, but you know, just the animation on its own looks really mm. good. And that was even in like a little shitty GIF. So <laughs> I, I have some pretty high expectations for that part too, I think. Which if you think about it, this movie hinges on the animators, but it also really, really hinges on Bob Hoskins. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, that guy's doing amazing things in this movie. Mm. Oh yeah. That you know, your your childhood mind doesn't necessarily notice. Yeah. But the things he has to do to make this work is probably pretty off the charts. Yeah, I've seen a couple of the uh, the scene breakdowns where it's like what he was doing minus the animation. <laughs> and, okay. And yeah, they like had... Garfield minus Garfield? Yeah, and there, <laughs> there's the one that I'm thinking of is it's the... Uh, there's a scene when... Uh, him and uh, Roger are in his apartment and he has to push Roger into the sink and there's so much stuff that happens that's practical effects that is yes. Roger uh, like supposedly yeah. doing things and, but like if when we watch the movie like keep an eye out for that scene like and I mean I'm, I know it's all throughout the movie but th- how much of the animation had to be I mean, like, you know, the, the, the movements had to be planned out so far in advance because they, they filmed it all without even knowing what the animation was going to look like, and they just made it work beautifully. Yeah. 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 I mean, they must have storyboarded the shit out of it before oh, shooting. Oh, of, of course. They I'm had sure. to. Yeah. So now I think we're talking about stuff that we should probably talk about After. as a reaction. Okay. Yeah. Fine. We'll stop. <laughs> so what are you expecting, Brett? So... Uh, I remember quite a bit of this movie. Um, this is one of my favorite animated movies of all time. And uh, specifically the opening scene, I think might be uh, it, like top five for sure. Animated sequences ever. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. No, it's fucking great. Like, you know, uh, if you don't like the the goofball comedy stuff, at least just like the technical I don't know. It's really fucking crazy for an animated opening scene. That's what I remember the most about this movie, actually, is just the... the Because uh, they probably had more money per minute of film than most other animated shorts. Yeah, like, you know, uh, you watch TV or anything that's made nowadays, and it's uh, s- static scenes, and this is just, like, camera moves in, in three dimensions, and, like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's cool. And I know the whole movie is kind of like that. And yeah, I'm really excited to watch this. This is one of my favorites. Okay. So Ash, what do you think? Um, yeah. I mean, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I'm going to like it. But like I said, I honestly don't remember a lot. I just remember that one scene. And then I remember the ending scene. Where you found out. How he met my mother? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and how it turned out him and Jessica Rabbit were actually siblings. Um, <laughs> um, but the the thing I kind of wanted, since I don't really have 
much to talk about, but the the interesting thing, I was just talking to somebody recently about Toontown and about how like we he I, it was a coworker who has two younger kids and he's like, "Yeah, they're finally to the age I'm going to take them to Disneyland for the first time." And we were talking about Toontown because we was like, oh, I remember Toontown being the shit when I was a kid. But do kids uh, today even know what it even is? Know yeah. about that? Like, do they go there and are they just like, what even is this place? Yeah. You know? Well, it's just it's fun, cartoony stuff. Yeah. But, but yeah. like, th- like you can go on the Roger Rabbit ride and like, you know, it's. I was, I was about to ask, is there even a ride in Toontown? But there yes. is a Roger Rabbit ride. Yeah. yeah Have you Roger been Rabbit to Toontown, Nick? I've walked through it, but it's like it didn't seem movie. like there's anything for me. You know, other things in Disneyland you might enjoy, such as uh, Splash Mountain. Have you seen that movie? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of, of Disney disowning something. And, and yeah. not just, like, disowning it, but, like, it's also most people's favorite ride or whatever at disneyland like that's or, or second favorite i guess everyone loves the space mountain but you know uh splash mountain is kind of like the big thing there and they completely hide the history and they're, of it. they're stuck they can't get rid of it yeah but the hit it's still that movie is still there like i think splash mountain is the most horrifying ride ever and i screamed the whole time the first time <laughs> i went on it and not during the drop because it's horrifying these animals are singing happily <gasps> while they're like dunking each other in tar it's horrifying guys i just realized i think Brer rabbit and Brer bear are in this movie holy shit i don't I think, think so. they are i don't think so We'll see. I guess I'm not 100, percent but I, I think they are. I see a bet challenge. No, but I did say I'm I'm not 100 percent positive, but I'm 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 up for some sportsmanship. You're, you're, okay, are you up for it, Sam? I physically cannot drink Bekarovka. <laughs> <laughs> it, like my body will not let me even lift the cap. So that's out okay. of the question. But how about this? How about money this weekend? No. <laughs> Because I have a better idea. This okay. weekend, we're going to go to the county fair. Okay. Oh, no. And there's some nasty food no. at the county fair. Okay. So winter cheese is something that loser has to eat. Can you can you maintain my vegetarianism? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. They, they deep fry all kinds of stuff. <laughs> all right. Deal. All right. I'm all terrified, right. but deal. Uh, okay. Now well, I I'm kinda, I, remembering them being in it this whole movie. <laughs> Oh no! There's so much pressure. They're actually like the main side characters. No, they're not. They're not the main side characters. I know that. I guess Disney like has erased several racist things from their films and on re-release. Yeah, cut off your ear if they don't like your face. There's like a a more racist version of Fantasia. Wait, what? There really? (laughs) Yeah, what? Uh Yeah, they like they they. No, I see that. They cut a character. Wait, what? Tell me. I don't remember this. Uh, I'd have to look it up again. It, right. it was, no, no, really. Like you, you have, it's in probably Fantasia? easy to find. Oh, was it like in the horse people one? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that yeah. one. I know there's some super racist Looney Tunes shit. Really? Yeah. Oh and yeah. Check out the cartoons that Dr. Seuss drew during World War II. Oh yeah, oh. that was there's devastating. I was stuff. like, well, oh, places you'll go, you'll go in the shredder. so this movie for me is one of those rare situations where i haven't seen it in a very very long time but i feel like i remember it very well 
because mm-hmm. I was at that age where I probably watched it a few times. I think it's going to be excellent because I remember really enjoying this. And I feel like I remember a lot of detail. I feel like I remember everything that Brett is talking about. His, his vague, but yet specific. Yeah. Like- I'm trying to be vague, but because I, I remember so much of this in vivid detail. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I feel like it's going to be like the first time for me again. Like a virgin. <laughs> so... In, in like pure honesty, I bet I'm going to be like the slightest bit disappointed because it's probably not going to be as great as I remember it. Because how can it be? But I think it's going to be really good. I'm okay. optimistic. So how? And I love Robert Zemeckis, as we all know. How long ago did you see it? I I just can't even say it's been so oh, long. I can't say either. I think since I was a kid. And yeah. Sam, you I think have you seen it the most recent then? Probably. I think I watched it when I was at DreamWorks. So within the past five years. So if you lose, it's going to hurt that much more because <laughs> you're really rubbing this in there, man. You're I am. Like, I'm excited. You're not I'm only excited. rubbing salt in the wound. You're there with like an exacto blade, like cutting wounds open and just pouring salt in. Hey, it'll feel that much better if Nick loses. Yeah. I'm just saying. I will say, I don't think I've ever seen this on any format other than VHS. No. Ooh. Well, I mean, I guess it's streaming now, but. Yeah, and I haven't seen as far it in as that like format. DVD. Oh, like, it, it, how I've I seen you it. Meant in I wonder if oh, like no. it'll have the HD effect where the yeah. flaws are more apparent. Yeah, that. Oh, oh that, that will be yeah. interesting. That ruined. Yeah, I've probably and the never seen it in widescreen. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. On our 4K TV in Blu-ray, it actually looks bad. I was like, "Damn, girl, Belle, your face got fucked up. <laughs> Her eyes are like blue, like all over." <laughs> Wow. It's like one of those makeup tutorials gone horribly wrong. It's more like 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 her face is like melting. Like just, oh, it's just spreading. That's horrifying. It's it's mm. the opposite of uh, Robert Rodriguez thing. Uh, Danny Trejo. Oh, like, yeah. His face is meant for HD. Some of these animated movies were not meant for HD. Cool. Well, I want to watch Pinocchio in HD. We'll s- think that one will be good. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever completely seen Pinocchio. What? Like, I've definitely seen bits of it, but I don't think in my childhood I ever sat down and watched the whole thing. It's terrifying, story-wise, but from an art form, it's regarded as, like, one of the best animated films in terms of craft. So we're going to pause recording, watch Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is on Netflix, iTunes, Google Play. So please watch the movie and join us after. (laughs) Oh no, the music stopped playing. I guess that means it's time for ads. Hello there, rewatchers, little rewatcherinos. You remember Patrick Edwards? He was our guest on the Alien episode. Well, his book, Space Tripping, has been nominated for Best New Science Fiction Book of 2017 at DragonCon Awards. The cool thing about the DragonCon Awards is you can go to a website and register and vote for it and help Patrick win or help someone else win. But, you know, we like Patrick. Just go to awards.dragoncon.org and they'll send you an email with the ballot. You have until August 29th to do that. And it takes about a day, so you should register as soon as you hear this. If you email spacetrippingbook at gmail.com with a screenshot of your ballot during Dragon Con weekend, Patrick's going to raffle off a signed copy of his book and a free download for the audiobook. And everyone else will get the ebook as a thank you for voting. So, incentive to at least vote at awards.dragoncon.org. Also, you should tweet at Patrick at Rambling Waffle. 
he wants to let you know. Friday, September 1st, he's doing a book signing at Barnes & Noble, 1217 Caroline Street, Northeast Atlanta, Georgia. And like any cool high school party, the party starts at 6 and goes till question mark, probably when the bookstore closes. Okay, second announcement. Make sure you tune in on Monday, the 28th, to the Laugh Stash TV YouTube channel Fallout Contest live stream. It's from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. See if you win a prize from the Fallout Contest. All right, those are the announcements for the day. Let me see if I can get this music playing again. Smile, Blair, smile. You know this whole world is a great world after all. Looney Tunes. That's all, folks. So we hope you enjoy the podcast. Clearly, we have to address the elephant in the room. Yes. That this movie took a lot from Big Lebowski. <laughs> right? It's it's a film noir detective story with characters who should not be in a film noir detective story. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I guess. I like that. Yeah. I guess so. The guy who doesn't want to be involved, but is involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Like, like so many detective stories. I thought we were going to uh, check in on Movie Bet. Oh. I think we should address the real oh, element yeah. in the room. Oh. It, there was no Briar Rabbit. I'm just going to say that. Okay. There but, was but that the bear was bear. there. Oh. Oh. So you did, you did see it. I was all ready to send you a picture of evidence. But yeah. so saw- I'm an animator. Of course I saw okay. it. <laughs> so in my opinion, if we go back to the tape, I believe I said that Brer Bear and Brer Rabbit are in it, which means that I was half right, which I think means this falls on everything's even and neither of us have to do it. Or <laughs> everything. <laughs> or um, I'm going to say no, Ash. I'm cut your cut Ash's mic, and we'll just go with what Nick said. Or everything's even, and you both have to do it, <laughs> which I think is funner. <laughs> Or you both were wrong. Ash Equally has wrong. to do it. I was not involved. We were both right, so we can't be victims of our own I feel bet. Like in and a, the person that made us do the bet must eat the gross yeah, thing at the In a fair. way, you were the most involved in this, Yeah, we Ash. were going to walk away from this. <laughs> I'm just trying was, to continue our segment, Movie Bets. So for, for those of us listening to the podcast who actually did watch the movie, who may have missed it, Brer Bear was in the crowd scene at the very, very tail very end of the movie. One shot at the very it end. It was a few shots. I no, it was a few shots. I it totally was one missed sequence. it. Sequence. Yeah. But the racist crows were also in the movie. Those are from fucking Dumbo, dude. Oh. Calm uh, your shit. Did you guys watch Song of the South? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> no, that that wasn't a sarcastic question. That was like a little like I don't remember I don't think I've ever seen I, it. Have you watched I it yet? I saw it in college, but that was a long time ago. I've only seen clips. Yeah, I've only seen clips. I mean, I saw it when I was a kid. but See, and that was the thing. I this is why I said it to begin with, because I had this weird memory of them singing zippity doo at the end of Roger Rabbit. Oh. Which I think actually would have been a better song than this random song. I don't even know what they're saying. Well, I think what they wanted was Small World. Well, then why didn't they do it? They had Mickey Mouse. Well, if you'll notice, and this is something I wanted to talk about, Every time there's a major Disney character or a major Warner Brothers character, they're on the screen at the same time. You got Daffy Duck. What about Dumbo? And Donald Duck. Dumbo was on the screen by himself. But I'm talking like the core. 
Daffy okay. Duck, Donald Duck, Bugs gotcha. Bunny, Mickey Mouse. Even at the end, Porky Pig does That's All Folks, but Tinkerbell comes in and does her thing yeah. to end the movie. Oh, I missed that. So, you know, they probably wouldn't be comfortable. Maybe Warner Brothers would say, no, you can't do Disney's signature song. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, there was like some clause where it's like, every character must have equal screen time. Probably. I, yeah, I think that's probably that's the like, case. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at this article in between the time, and it turns out that that this is actually who fr- framed Roger Rabbit is based off of a novel from 1981, the novel Who Censored Roger Rabbit? Or no, I'm sorry. The novel might have been older than that. In 1981, Walt Disney purchased the rights. Um, mm. So that's kind of crazy that it was a novel. Who writes a book about cartoons? Yeah, it's a little like, strange. It's not exactly the format that lends itself to the written word. Well, you know, it's interesting. You, I'm glad you said that because... At well, the, you're welcome. <laughs> at the beginning, <laughs> you were saying how, like, we'll probably never see a movie like this again. And as we were watching it, I was thinking, well, isn't Ready Player One very similar in the sense that uh, here's a mismatch of all these characters that you would never normally see on screen together? I hope so. Yeah. You know, that's I mean, what the book was. Will Will the movie be able to pull that off with licensing from all those different owners? Yeah, I don't now, know. Now, if anybody, if anybody can secure all that licensing, it would be Steven Spielberg. Who, who apparently was involved in this movie. Yeah. So maybe he is the magic... The magic number. I'm I'm really hoping because there's so much in Ready Player One that they, I hope they maintain the magic berg. Although uh, I think the we'll never see something else like this. I think is s- still relevant as far as a kids movie with so much dark adult content. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, yeah. that dude got I mean, shot like, in the back. Just- yeah, they just stand there and are like, oh, I guess he's getting run over by a steamroller. Yeah, that was fucking horrible. It's very disturbing. Yeah. I, I mean, does it make it okay that he stood up afterwards? No, that was that was even more horrifying. Okay. <laughs> In my opinion. Well, you could see the studio scramble. Like there was definitely like a pause there originally. And they're like, no, like we can't allow any time to think that he's actually dead and been run over by a steamroller because that's too fucking dark. And that was like the the choppiest, like quickest edit from like, yeah. oh look, he's not, he's not dead, he's not dead, he's not dead. Look, yeah, it's yeah. all it's over him but, already. Can we talk about the but, fact that Christopher Lloyd's character basically skin suited this movie? He basically God. silenced of the lambed this movie. What I really enjoyed is you and Bryce were watching it and you kept saying, what's going on with his teeth? Yes. And I'm just thinking, they don't remember that he turns into a cartoon. Well, I did. I just didn't want to give it away for Bryce because he didn't remember. But that was interesting. The like details, like right down to the simple things like his teeth or even there's the point where the gun is pointed at the movie producer guy and and the main character sees the reflection of the gun in the poster of the possum character with holding the a gun. gun. Yeah. yeah. Like just I feel like animators have an amazing attention to detail that most normal just filmmakers don't have, 
you know? And there's so many like amazing little background, just like details that are just so wonderful in this movie. I totally agree. And I have a theory as to why that is. Oh, yeah? Because they have to go frame by frame through everything. If you spend, you know, an hour looking at every frame, like, you're going to think of some cool shit to put in that frame. Yeah. Yeah, you've got more time to think about it. Yeah. And then you also, like, spend a lot of time rewatching that you know, a couple of frames and you're looking for like little flaws that pop out for just like a split second. Mm -hmm. So your eyes kind of train to look for things that happen quickly. Mm. So they put a lot of quick things that most people miss in animation. And, and I'm wondering if, you know, the animators were heavily, I mean, they obviously must've been heavily involved in the actual shooting of the footage, the real like live action footage, because e- even in the real live action footage, there's like an incredible attention to detail that. Oh yeah. You know, like they interact with real props like 90% of the yeah. time. But I mean, even Which just is- like the set dressing, like, I don't know yeah. if you noticed, but like in all of the offices, there was always a Falcon. And I'm wondering if that's like <laughs> uh, an homage to the Maltese Falcon you know because it was that era yeah because it was that era it was a film noir like there was just always these like little touches that if you looked for them weren't even like important necessarily to the story but they just i love the little comedic details in that was that were referential to cartoons Mm. like he's walking around the the studio back lot and there's a sign for a cattle call and there's a bunch of cows standing there Oh, I didn't catch that that's one. That's great. Oh, and that is and good. the whole I do, I don't, I do, I or yeah. you do, I yeah, don't, yeah. I, yeah. That, that was great. Classic rabbit season, duck season routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> and also, just a lot of the the cartoon comedy, uh, specifically the uh, the ducks and pianos thing, where. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but like I was legitimately laughing at that and not just for like nostalgia reasons, but just like this is like actually a pretty good like a slapstick comedy routine. And but the, I love I know, it's, it's I love the idea you don't see it anymore. These like guys in suits in a speakeasy underground watching cartoons on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to say there, there's some creepiness to all these guys who just start tripping all over a cartoon woman. That that just makes me so uncomfortable. But it's also kind of realistic, right? Because like Betty Boop, Uh, well, I mean, Betty Boop. But I don't think anybody ever saw Betty Boop and they're like, I got to get me some of that. I don't know. Well, I think like the scene (laughs) World War II is a different time. (laughs) Um, The scene of the adults like going underground to watch cartoons almost feels like a joke for the kids Mm, because like oh adults you know they're too grown up to laugh at cartoons they shouldn't like cartoons and then they're like hiding and secretive like we still like cartoons that's interesting i like that which i think that plugs into my whole feeling of the the question of racism here that to me as a child it was this cute little thing of like oh he's a grumpy adult and he hates cartoons Mm-hmm. And that's how that plays to a child. But then when you bring up the the concept of 
you know, there's humans and then there's people who are not humans. Yeah. And you hate them and I won't work for them and all that stuff. It does look different, very different through that lens. Yeah. Yeah. I know you haven't seen the show. I don't know if Brett and Sam, you guys have seen it. It's on Hulu. It's a show called Aliens. And I was saying how similar this movie was to that show. And the whole idea of that show is the same idea where they're talking about racism, but it's against aliens. But these aliens look like you and me, like they look like normal people, but there's like a sectioned area in the town where they have to go and there's one way in and it's like, you know, border control type thing and only they live there. They can't live outside of it. And so that kind of reminded me of, you know, like Toontown is the segregated area, basically. This sounds like Alien Nation. I've never seen that. I was going to say, it sounds like Battlestar, like with the humans versus Cylons. Yeah, but this was like an actual like town, like a civilization where people lived this way, and and they could go out of the alien part of town, but they had to be back at night. Like you know, there was like a curfew, and it felt kind of the same way. Where it's like tunes could walk around, but they belonged; they had to live there. Hmm. We should check out Alien Nation because it's it's that same thing of like aliens come to Earth, and they they do look different. But there's now they're like trying to integrate into Los Angeles and there's all this racism mm-hmm. around it. Isn't District 9 kind of like that too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely a movie about apartheid. A what? Apartheid. The the institutional segregation in South Africa. Oh. For many, many years. Yeah. And the slums that grew out of that. But now yeah, that we're so- on that <laughs> subject. Yeah. So let's talk about how Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a true story. Oh, yeah. I want to hear this because yeah. I don't yeah. know it. I want to hear the whole story. Well, you you just saw it. That, you know, Los Angeles was being, was being built at a time when public transportation was becoming less popular and cars were starting to be sold and people started to have that dream of owning a car. Mm. And the tire companies intentionally destroyed public transportation Mm. by influencing, you know, government policy. That was my favorite quote, by the way, was that I thought was pretty ironic for nowadays was the who needs a car in L.A.? We've got the best public transit system in the world. Yeah. Yep. That one hurt a little. Yeah. And so the tire companies wanted to build highways and wanted to build highways through neighborhoods that were, you know, less, uh, less income neighborhoods that they could just destroy to make way for highways. Mm -hmm. And now we're left with a city that's built around cars and no public transportation. Mm. Yep. So, so fun fact, especially for us being where we are, that highway that they're talking about (laughs) is the highway in our city. The uh, 110 Pasadena freeway is the, for sure the first freeway in Los Angeles, potentially the first freeway in the country, I, I can't oh, remember. And it definitely sounded like, because he was saying, like, it'll go from here to Pasadena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty yep. great. Jokes on so you, they- Christopher Lloyd. Traffic is not a thing of the past. Well, oh, that one hurt the most, though. He's <laughs> like, the traffic jams will be a thing of the past. Yeah. I was like, that was my daily commute. Uh. Um, yeah, so that freeway actually, I mean, in conjunction with the tire company thing, was actually originally built as a bike 
platform freeway. Hmm. And huh. then it was converted to like a car freeway. And it was specifically put in Pasadena because this is the city where all of the like rich Hollywood actors lived oh. and they needed a fast way to get them to Hollywood to shoot their films. Mm. So, and, and so oh, sorry, low income housing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so when we saw Reggie Watts the other night and he was doing his improv thing about the hyperloop, I remember he said the infrastructure was influenced by the tire industry. I was like, oh, my God, he's talking about Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he just said Hyperloop. Hyperloop. Yeah. Hyperloop. Hyperloop. <laughs> so I'll tell you my favorite line in the movie uh-huh. was, I'd love to embrace you, but I have to indulge my sense of mental, of of moral outrage. <laughs> I thought that was really good. My <laughs> other favorite line was, thanks for the cigarettes, he says to children. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that part was really dated. I'm like, woo, that would not fly nowadays. Yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. Or the car know. that quoted Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't. Know. My favorite part in the movie is the handcuff scene. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. When he's only like, when it was funny. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Uh, it's so great. So is the portable hole thing like a standard D&D thing? D&D? Yeah. What do you mean? I th- I've I've heard it used a bunch, but I I think it came from this. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz I I've heard like on Adventure Zone they have a portable hole. Really? But I, I don't I don't think that's standard D&D. I yeah. think yeah. that's because they have a lot of outside influences like animation and video games. Yeah. Do you mean like the dimensional pocket that Taco can go into? No. <laughs> for, for those of you who are listening to Adventure Zone. No, because on Adventure Zone, they've got a thing where you roll a die and then say you roll a four, then you can make a hole four foot by four foot in anything. Yeah, was that one of like the fan submission items? Yeah. It might have been. Oh, okay. Yeah. From the, the Fantasy Costco, that was one of the items they could buy. Oh, I'm going to miss Fantasy Costco. But I had, as a kid, I had this toy, and it might have been like a Happy Meal sort of toy, where it was a Roger Rabbit character. It might have been Roger Rabbit. It was two halves of the figure, and on each half was connected a black suction cup. So you could stick it on different spots, and it looks like he's going into the hole here and coming out of the hole here. Oh, okay. It's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Like the toys in your childhood you wish you still had, that one would be cool. Yep. I'm sure we could eBay it for you. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. I am going to look for that. <laughs> <laughs> we can get it along with our, whatever the superhero action figure was from Jingle All the Way. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, we should start collecting these things. Why? <laughs> I mean, You're this right. is literally. What I do on most days is just go on eBay and search for random toys. I wonder if this is there. Oh, oh, I forgot to mention, I posted this picture to my Twitter a long time ago, but I did a job for a client that was a fabrication company, and they made the tune gun that he uses. Like the the hammer that shoots out the punching? No, 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 the one with the bullets Oh. And like in the oh. case, they made the whole case with the tune gun and everything and they fabricated and they made the little bullets. Oh, so wow. I'll post the picture to this account, the the Let's Rewatch account so everyone can see it. But it was like really cool. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. 
That's pretty cool. But yeah, it was funny how like how they played the props because I noticed that that gun they chose to do practical in a couple scenes. Yes, they did. Yeah, but it's it is still looked. Like it was cartoony. Mm-hmm. Speaking of practical, there was some brilliant stuff because there's, oh, there's all this stuff that's that? like, oh, how do they interact with a cartoon? Like when she grabs this tie. blows my mind. But what really kills me, like, for example, the will. Sometimes if a cartoon is holding it, it's cartoon. But if Eddie's holding it, it's a real prop. But what knocked me mm-hmm. on my ass is when Roger Rabbit is in the office and he's crying because they just showed him the pictures. Eddie is holding a glass and he pours a drink. The other guy takes the glass out of Eddie's hand, hands it to Roger, and Roger drinks from it. Yeah. And at some point, it stopped being a real glass and became a cartoon glass. And I don't know. I don't know. I think it was a real glass. Once Roger drank from it, it definitely looked cartoony. It looked real to me because he then Mm, throws it over his shoulder and like liquid goes splashing back. Okay. Well, no, there's a couple of times. So in the bar, when he drinks, he just throws the drink in his face. Yeah. yeah. But I, I want to go back and rewatch that first scene when he's in hey, the detective's re-watch. office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the effects in this are It's just insane. Stunning. Because there's yeah. plenty of times where there were cartoons holding physical objects. Like the, yeah. the weasels were oh, holding yeah. real guns. They weren't cartoon. I mean, yeah, the whole time when Watcher Rabbit is handcuffed to the main guy. Like, he's, they animated all those scenes with this animated character interacting with a real pair of handcuffs. Just yeah. like a floating handcuff for wherever Roger was supposed to be. And it's the little details. Like, I always talk about how yeah. I love Zemeckis because he can he can have visual effects that you never know are happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I think a great way to point that out is... They go into the secret back room and Roger Rabbit sits on a soapbox. It just sort of rocks back and forth a little bit from Mm -hmm. his weight, which means somebody had the foresight to say, he's going to sit on that box. Let's rig something so it rocks just a little bit. Which is why I think they had to have had animators on set because animators would totally be thinking of stuff like that. And careful planning and like you said before, storyboarding for every little thing. The one that blew my mind more than the tie was when uh, Jessica Rabbit touched the Acme guy's face and like did like the grandma thing where she like scrunched his cheeks and you could see his skin like scrunch up where she grabbed him. I actually missed that. It was insane. I don't know how they did that. Hmm. Well, there's the scene in the... um Brett pointed it out in the um, detective's office mm-hmm. where Roger Rabbit touches the brother's chair oh. and leaves a handprint. Because yeah. it was a dusty chair and he rubbed off the yeah. dust. Yeah, I noticed that too. It's it's awesome. Or like the, the cartoon characters will cast shadows on the yeah. real people. And I'm not sure if those shadows are animated or not, but that's still crazy. But what what I super, super love about that thing you're talking about with the chair, leaving the handprint there, not only was it a cool detail of a cartoon interacting with the environment, it was also a subtle story thing that nobody's been in that chair, but Eddie hasn't touched it or cleaned it in mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. It's just so much story there. Yeah. I mean, even the like... 
the scene, Brett, you said where Donald Duck and Daffy Duck are like dueling it out. I honestly, I wasn't even watching them because I was so impressed by the penguins holding real <laughs> serving trays yeah. that I was yeah. watching them the whole time thinking to myself, how the hell did they do this? This is insane. And how great is it that they brought them whiskey on the rocks? Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> so good. Uh, I just want to know how they did it, though. Oh, but I did notice. I wonder if you I'm sure you guys noticed, too, but. I noticed that sometimes some of the tunes would be transparent and you could see the background through them. Like mostly I noticed it with Roger Rabbit. Like sometimes his hair would be transparent or his ear would be transparent, Mm -hmm. Um, which makes me wonder if my theory of them putting the cell on top of a 35 print and then reshooting it, like maybe that's what they did and the paint. Possibly. I noticed a lot of the... uh the masking like matting stuff on the characters in a lot of the scenes was very soft Mm. well they painted the characters edges in white to help with the blend normally cartoon characters have a black outline yeah Mm. and these ones had a white i think to help with the blending but here's i i hope i can thread this needle but here's why i'm so completely okay with that even from a story perspective where they set up cartoons living among humans, and they've also established that they are drawn, they are composed of ink and paint. And so if a if a character that was composed of ink and paint could walk around in the real world, it would make sense that sometimes part of them would be semi-transparent. So totally. even from a story perspective, the flaws in that composition actually work for me. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Say that again? <laughs> so they've they've set up that these characters are actually composed of ink and paint. They've you they know have? established I don't remember that. Yeah. I'm not bad, I'm just drawn That's... that way. I'm not bad, I'm just no. drawn that way. And oh. the evidence on the rope was paint from the killer's glove. Oh okay. yeah. You know, stuff and like the, that. The poison is acetone. It's a chemical that dissolves paint. Oh. Sorry, that's probably not something the average person would know. No, I was actually really confused by that because in the bar scene, the people seemed leery of touching it. Because it's also dangerous. Yeah, and it's toxic But then in the end, he's like running through it, no problem. He's like sloshing around in it. There was yeah, definitely I video mean, game logic in the end. Yeah. Like he opened up fire hydrants for a second and now everything's <laughs> clean. Yeah. I, I think it's just circumstance. Like you definitely don't want to go swimming in acetone. And like it will destroy your clothes and your shoes and mm. that sort of thing. So, Did you notice that they established that that stuff was the only thing that could kill tunes? Yeah. But then also laughing too hard can kill them? And, and well, also, but they weren't dead. They weren't. Yeah, they weren't dead. They turned into like little angels of yeah. themselves. And he still used the machine as an angel. Yeah, weasel. because it was oh. funny. Yeah, but also yeah. he fell into that like drum part of the machine and he died. Like suddenly, I there's he a lot fell of into ways. Acetone. One, one of them, them did, but one of them fell into like the wheel spinning thing yeah. and died. Oh. Huh. Oh yeah. 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 He was laughing too. I don't know. <laughs> Kids don't care. <laughs> so I found this article that kind of explains how they did it. It says post production lasted an additional fourteen months 
with one of the biggest challenges being rotoscoping all the live action sequences, drawing animation cells over all the live action footage. Yeah. This provided even more challenging or this proved even more challenging than the technique would otherwise be because Mechus used use of dynamic cinema, uh, dynamic camera movements and the large amount of action shots. ILM was added to the process by completing three layer, three lighting layers that were optically printed onto the animation, adding dimensionality, subjecting the characters to the same lighting that already existed in the film filmed live action sequence. So I guess they did have some sort of a CG going on. Hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of directors would say, all right, lock the camera down. You know? yes. yeah. But he swung the camera around. The one that impressed me first was the gorilla bouncer looking through the hole in the door yep. mm. as the camera swung around. Mm-hmm. But then later, there was a scene where it was just Eddie and Roger arguing with each other and the camera was swinging around. Yeah. But I think like that's really important for just the overall feel of this yeah. movie to make those characters feel real planted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, you feel like they're there. You don't feel like they're another layer over the film and they were added. Mm-hmm. Like you feel that those actors are in that same room with Roger Rabbit doing a scene. Yeah. The, the scene where Roger's hiding in Eddie's closet and he's in the coat and like he bursts from the coat and the coat like moves aside while he's like all of these yeah everything felt super grounded it's a lot of like subtle things like you were saying nick this extreme mm-hmm. attention to detail that i think came from both Zemeckis and richard williams the animator mm-hmm. um to make it such an awesome believable fun film i forget what it's called but i'm sure you know there's a principle in animation and it's like it's like nothing ever just stops motion. Like Yeah. What is that called again? It so there's slow wins and slow outs and it's the way that you move. You don't just like start moving really fast, you know there's kind of a ramp up. It's yeah. Inertia. And then when you stop, there's kind of like you slow to a stop. Mm-hmm. And and I think they applied that to the physical objects. You know, not just the an, not just the characters, but like if the character touched something, like you said, that box yeah, that he sits to. on, they applied that same sort of theory to to all the physical objects, and that's the thing oh, yeah. that I think makes them feel so real. Because I feel like we've seen since Roger Rabbit, we've seen this before. Usually, just like for one scene in a movie or like for a gag in a movie, like there's a single cartoon bird floating through right. and it's never Didn't believable. Have that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Or, um, I think last Highlander Hero has a cartoon sidekick. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Highlander. The, the final quickening was cartoons on top of uh, remember uh, that. Xanadu. <laughs> They all turn into cartoon characters or vice versa. Oh, I've never seen it. It's not good. Oh, okay. I I don't think. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Sorry. So can we agree that if we ever decide to remake any movie starring Bob Hoskins, we can just cast Brett? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You could cosplay as him so easily. Oh, man. You're like the Bob Hoskins stunt double. 
I can see that. We also just watched Indiana Jones at the Hollywood Bowl and determined that he's Sala. You're a little so. John Reese Davies. <laughs> yep. I I own like the outfit that, that he was wearing. Like, oh wow! Outfit. Yeah, that like white linen-y button down with those shorts and that like <laughs> drug lord hat. Drug lord. Drug lord. I don't remember that. I remember the fez. Yeah, he has the fez, but then he also has like that straw fedora he had. Uh, mm-hmm. Compensation for my brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, backtracking a little bit to what we were talking about with like cartoon characters in other movies, we've kind of reached like the equal and opposite direction of like, think of Transformers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's a movie with cartoon characters, but they're meant to look hyper real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we've and this concept has lived on. It's just kind of evolved. And yeah. in between that progression were the Scooby-Doo movies. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> what? That. Oh, yeah. Right? I the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. Those horrifying yes. movies. We should definitely do one of those. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, I. it's it's amazing what they did. I I wonder if there's like a documentary on, or something on it. But this article that I found, which I'll also try to post, has a link to a video showing... Um, Is it the bed scene? No, it's just showing the blue screen of, um, gosh, what's Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins, like just, you know, acting his heart out on just a blue screen and that's it, you know, and, and it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But I mean, yes, unquestionably so, but that's kind of standard practice now. Nowadays, but you know, like this was, this was 1988, you know, like. That it's really impressive for technically, technically, it's nineteen eighty six. Yeah. Well, no, they said fourteen months of post production. That's so true. If it was released in eighty eight. This was shot in like eighty six. That's yeah. why it took so much time between Back to the Future and Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because in that article that you read, they said fourteen months for post production, and when you say that to me. I'm thinking, oh, that's compositing the animation and the live action. And then it went on to say, no, they hand drew all the characters onto the live action. So they counted the animation as post-production, which is just crazy. So they animated all of that and put it together in 14 months, which is so fast. Yeah, that's pretty Mm. fast. But there was a lot of live action in this. Like, It wasn't a full... Animated, but the like the last a a third, you know, the last third act is all in Toontown, yeah. Yeah. And also, if you think about an animated film, like uh, you have to draw the background, sure, but what takes the time is to animate the characters. And in this movie, there's at least one fully animated character in almost every scene, Mm -hmm. so and I really enjoy the, the time we spend in Toontown because. It kind of, if you think about it, it's the opposite movie. You know, in a movie about putting a cartoon in live action, now you're putting a single live action character in a cartoon. Yeah. And it's the opposite of everything they've been, and the opposite of all the challenges they've been facing. Now that you bring and that as, up. Oh, go ahead. As as much as it could have, uh, it, it still felt pretty grounded when Hoskins was running around in Toontown. Yeah, that's what I mean. And it's like impressive. 
Like he's, it reminds me of this thing that was like commentary from uh, the Life Aquatic uh, that was about the they did that f- underwater fish scene and it was just like all these fake ass looking fish. But like the Henry Selick animation, it was it was this thing about you know if if it's gonna look fake, like you know make it <laughs> make it whimsical it. and it's like it doesn't need to look real to look to feel real i guess yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i feel like that's this movie perfectly embodies that where you can't get any less real than just like drawing on top of live action and yet it felt so real yeah well i mean that's the animator's job right is like you have these characters that are obviously not real and that's what you're supposed to do is not just put like believable weight and physics into it but like a believable character mm-hmm. like you're putting thought into the drawing's head and that this movie definitely succeeded at that speaking of believable characters didn't Jessica Rabbit cheat on him though <laughs> <laughs> but she was forced to was she yeah, she, she gave an explanation really, for it at some point. She never really explained why she was forced. She was just like, I was forced into it. And then nope. never really she said, said why. She did. She said, uh, they told me Roger would never work again. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. oh I don't That's remember that. That's an excellent impression. Thanks. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> That's not a good enough reason. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But another problem, sorry, to point out plot holes, you're talking about the end and they like push the giant thing of acetone out of the building and then this train hits it and like, you know, just (laughs) out of frame spills acetone all across Toontown, basically killing Toontown after all. Yeah, that that was a horrible train accident. And then it's followed by, smile, darn you, smile. Yep. Because just the carnage is everywhere. Yeah. Do you think you're going to look at Toontown differently now, Nick? Yeah, I guess I have to go back. You get to ride that taxi. You do. Yeah. But that's not a grown-up person's ride. Correct? I mean... Do you have to be grown up to have a sense of humor? Uh, it's as much I mean, of a grown up person's grown ride up. as anything else in Disneyland. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Valid points. Sometimes I mean, you have to be a grown up to fit into the vehicle. Oh. No, I think Oh, yeah, no, you have to that's, be a child. It's definitely to fit into the gr- enough room for a grown up yeah. on a Roger Rabbit ride. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the, pardon me, the stupid Winnie the Pooh ride that's just like cardboard cutouts. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's way more The adult Winnie than the that. Pooh ride that's a fucking acid trip? Yeah, that one. <laughs> I just, I don't feel like I would ride the teacups or It's a Small World. The teacups are actually really fun. Yeah. Surprisingly. If you, if you like Mary Blair, you can ride uh, Mary Blair. It's a Small World. Yeah, what is Mary she, Blair? Okay. This is a lot of animation education tonight. <laughs> Mary Blair was Disney's like lead concept designer all through like the fifties and sixties. And oh so yeah, designed... so if you like her, Nick. Right. <laughs> well, no, she has a very iconic style. Oh. Um, you probably recognize it if you saw it. It's very like cartoony. She did a lot of children's books. Mm. Um, very like round faces with round eyes. Very painterly. Um, yes. 
Look her up. Uh, it's amazing stuff. She does cool. She has a lot of a lot of cool art. Yeah. Wait, like, so how world? does this translate to the teacup ride? I'm really confused. To, to small, small world. world. Oh. She she designed all those the look of those puppets oh. and like all the background elements, like that big sun and everything. She did all the concept art for that ride, like outside uh, yeah. and inside. Mm-hmm. So, did you say you'd never been on Small World? No, nah. I actually don't hate it like everybody does. But yeah, I don't. I, I didn't don't say I there. hate it. I just don't feel I do like I'm the it. target audience. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could use some updating, but <laughs> so I feel like we probably are coming out of this with a pretty positive outlook. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I would say I think it was just a tiny bit even better than I expected. Hmm. <laughs> That's good. That's like the opposite of your guess. Yeah. yeah. I thought it would <laughs> let me down a little bit. I don't feel like I could turn around and watch it again and again, like clearly a child would, and I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's is is a really good crime noir. You know, not like super awesome crime noir, but by itself but quime noir quime noir quime noir <laughs> but it was it was it definitely worked as a a film noir crime movie and totally. there was definitely adult stuff that i picked up on that i didn't I mean, as it's a child pretty adult yeah it's pretty adult yeah i don't remember any specific examples but like you know little comments that people would make that well, they don't even like try to hide it later. He like straight up calls what she did with Acme sex later in the movie. Yeah. It, 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 that's not even what I'm talking about. And I can't articulate without an example. But like. Well, to me, know. and I think I remember as a kid when he like melts the shoe. Like that's pretty oh, horrifying yeah. for a child. It's pretty dark. That's dark. Like, no, he's supposed to be like the person in charge of justice in Toontown. Mm-hmm. And he just, he's like, this shoe will get what it deserves. And I'm like, what What did it do? It, it he had walked those cute little there. eyes. I wish we I know. knew why he hated his own kind. Baby was pretty vulgar. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, so can we talk about that opening scene before we continue on with oh, yeah. our thoughts? Sure. And that's what you were talking about before, Brett, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that opening scene. So so many things about that. Like animation is hard enough on its own, and then Richard Williams was like, "No, no, I don't think it's hard enough. Like, let's make the floor reflective." Right. Mm. What? Let wait, wait, wait. Let's make the floor a checkerboard that we have to track. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> let's move the camera a lot in like, three-dimensional why? space. That reflection yes. didn't really work out very well, though. Like, For a cartoon, it did. <laughs> it's yeah. so ambitious. The cage with the baby is, like, holding perfectly still, and the reflection of it was, like, jiggling all over the place like crazy. Uh-oh. I was like, this is not working out the way you thought it was going to work out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was just, like, it's way ambitious of a project, mm-hmm. But I think. I remember a time, and... Futurama sticks out in my mind, but I think there were others before this where suddenly, maybe it was Beauty and the Beast, where they had something that was clearly computer animated in order to get a three-dimensional camera movement. Yeah. I think Beauty and the Beast. I think That's the ballroom yeah. scene. The ballroom scene, Beauty and the Beast, the scene I think of 
for that because it's so like jarring is in the little mermaid mm. when she runs down the stairs okay the stairs are cg and it's like Ugh, why why oh, did you weird. do that so in this movie they did those camera moves both in the live action mix but also in the baby herman short Mm-hmm. They did those three-dimensional camera moves, but they animated those three-dimensional movements. Yeah. And that's a level of perception and understanding of physical space that an artist has to recreate in an illustration that I just can't wrap my head around. I, I don't get how he does it. It, like, hurts my brain. And that's like the Richard Williams it. thing, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if, like, if you were Thief in the Cobbler, there was a lot of that. Okay. Yeah. I, a whole cut scene. You, I didn't realize that it was the same guy who did Thief and the Cobbler. I'm a huge Thief and the Cobbler fan, and um, you can really see it, like in the beginning, when Roger Rabbit's like counting all the people, you know, on his fingers and twisting his like ears oh, yeah. up. And I was like, oh yeah, now I can see that mm. style for sure. And he just like he likes to animate, sort of Rue Goldberg esque things in animation Mm. Mm. like animated things trigger other animated things and like you just i don't know it's crazy so what did you think final thoughts ash um you know i enjoyed it uh but i'm gonna (laughs) say i didn't enjoy it as much as i thought i was going to enjoy it um i've i enjoyed the impressive technical feats that um that they did in this movie, but I think as a film noir plot, it was not super interesting to me. Mm. Um, I it couldn't I, make it too complex. Yeah, I guess so. I felt like, um, yeah, I don't know. I just felt. I think. I think this is why I don't remember much of the movie is because like I feel like a lot happens in the beginning and a lot happens in the end and in the middle. There's not a lot that actually happens. Mm. Um, I don't know. You know, it's just more them like hiding and not really like doing anything. I did catch that one plot sheet where they're in the theater and Mm -hmm. it's like, like, that's the connection. I was like, yeah. So you like they wrote that in because they literally had nowhere to go from there. Yeah, exactly. Like it just kind of like falls off for a little bit in the middle. Um, So like writing wise, I didn't find it like the most like in my opinion, my favorite film noir is the movie Brick, and I'm just like riveted through that whole movie. Um, but this one, I wasn't really like, like, I like my favorite part about film noirs is like you're trying to figure out the mystery of like who's the murderer and who, whatever. And this one felt very like spoon fed to me the whole time. Um, but like I said, from a technical feat, it's amazing. I, I think. You know, some of the animation, like I said, with the reflection and sometimes background characters, you'd see them like jiggling around all over the place. So I think animation wise, some of it didn't really hold up. But uh, what they did with the animation playing with physical objects impressed me. And like I we even do shoots where we incorporate special effects and like you know, CG characters. And I don't, I couldn't even begin to like, Mm. like there's a point where Jessica rabbit like moves his coat and I'm just like, how, how did you do that? You know? (laughs) (laughs) So I I would argue that 
all of the animation holds up perfectly because every bit of it was true to how animated movies looked. But Every I would flaw disagree that you see because in this movie is flaws that you would see in a real Roger Rabbit cartoon. In a real Roger Rabbit cartoon, I don't think a background character would be jiggling around independently of a foreground character. I think that's because they were animated separately on separate cells and one of the cells wasn't completely lined up. Well, I don't think so. I, I've seen a lot of like watch, like especially Scooby-Doo cartoons. Like where, okay, that is a background that just repeats and repeats and repeats and the characters were animated separately and you can see like shifts in color. I'm not talking about the background though. I'm talking about a character yeah. that's standing it's in the, the background. It's interesting. The characters would be on different layers typically. Like you would never animate them on the same layer. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just a matter of that character you know, when they put all the sheets down, not always lining up perfectly with the other one. So in in when you see them together, it, it's not right. Yeah. And that that actually does happen. Yeah. You see those flaws all the time. Oh, you're saying in those old in mm. those old cartoons. Like, yeah, that yeah. that flaw. It is a flaw. And it's like people fight really hard to have it not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's in so much stuff. If you yeah. like if you really throw the critical eye on on your favorite classics, you're going to see a lot of shit wrong. Don't go I, back and watch Aladdin again. <laughs> <laughs> so if we were to really have cartoons in the real world and they were true to what they really are. I would expect to see those flaws. But my point was, I was just saying I, it doesn't hold up to me today. Is okay. what, that was yeah, my and you point. don't see that anymore when everything is registered on the computer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Computer so accurate. You know, it's a, a neat thing if you ever get the the chance or the inclination is to look up uh, the actual like Disney style shooting rigs. Because mm. uh, when you hear about like the layers. Uh, and even even thinking about like Photoshop and like oh like it, they're just stacked on top of each other. That's not even the fucking beginning of it. <laughs> uh, and like sometimes those background elements are on layers that when they actually shoot with the camera are maybe like five feet farther back than the closest cell uh, because they they actually space them out and light everything mm-hmm. properly. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's and it's vacuum formed. They have it. If you ever get to take a tour of Walt Disney Studios, they have their old um, down shooter. And I think it's in their lobby or somewhere in their building. And it's huge. It's insane. Wow. And it it has all these layers of glass. And then like Sleeping Beauty, you know, they have all these background elements and they shoot them all at the same time. So you have each character on their own layer. Mm -hmm. And then foreground trees, background trees, like way, way background. Yeah, stuff that moves in parallax in in old movies is actually like feet apart. Yeah, <laughs> so that's cool. That is cool. But if if those registering problems bothered you, then you should watch Pinocchio because <laughs> it's revered for having like next to none of those sort of technical issues wow. with the animation. Yeah, whereas like everything later, like they had to balance budget and technique, and you get those types of errors very commonly mm-hmm. like Aladdin, the characters don't really register to their flying carpet. And like yeah, I said, with they like Belle, slide all over it. Yeah. <laughs> her features aren't kind of locked in place, but in terms of all of those, I didn't notice any of that. Like with these characters, like their features stayed locked. They were moving in space. They were moving like in closeness to the camera. 
It, yeah, I like usually it's just the back the re- the full registration. Yeah, it was usually only when it was only an issue when it was a wide shot and we're like seeing several characters deep, um, and then it would cut to a close up, but it wouldn't be a problem anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, I've even noticed with like normal films that aren't animated, like registration problems with them. I forget there was some movie we were watching recently where it was just like shaking all over. Oh, it was Spider Man. Spider Man had registration problems, mm. but um, and it's. I remember the Watchmen had that too. Oh, really? Weird. Like that, the final shot where they like zoom out into the sky and uh, fucking was it Ozzy just like fucking slides across the floor in his palace or whatever, <laughs> and it's just like, dang guys, you couldn't get that right for your final shot. They were tired. Funny. They had to get of home. all the things that you noticed, you weren't bothered by the one scene that to this day still bothers the crap out of Andreas Deja. Which one? What is it? When he's in the bed, like in the bedroom talking to I'm totally blanking on the detective's name. Eddie. 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 Um and the bed presses down, but the animation doesn't. Mm. Oh really? So if you go back and rewatch it, that Can't bothers off. the animator. Ghost bed. <laughs> yeah. So, Brett, your final thoughts? I liked it as much as I thought as I thought I was going to. This is, uh, I I agree with the criticisms, especially about this kind of the spoon fed plot, and but you know it was for kids. Uh, but I think it combines uh, a, a lot of my favorite things, which is really good animation and uh like noir detective stuff and way more like r- reference comedy than i thought there would be uh because i haven't seen it for, for so many years i was like oh there's a lot of stuff that i didn't realize was in here before um yeah i had a good time this is, this is a good movie and you wanted to watch running man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i still want to watch running man <laughs> so sam yeah, totally agree. I I so when I gave my initial thoughts, I was like, "Oh, it's great. It's going to be awesome." And then I immediately was like, "Oh no. What if I'm wrong?" <laughs> no, total it was so much fun. I agree with the spoon-fed plot, but I feel like it's not so much a film noir movie as it is a kids movie with a film noir framework. Mm-hmm. So that's why it doesn't really bother me. Animation, technical stuff is still awesome. And it was super entertaining for being 30 years old. And Bob Hoskins and uh, Unexpected uh, June Foray, which we won't get into, yeah. but rip June Foray. Um, so, Sam, so- it's not 30 years old. It's 29 years old. I should know. <laughs> wow. Well, close enough. Whatever. Yeah, no, so uh, there's like a big difference. No, just kidding. <laughs> if it was 88, then technically. That's 29. Yeah, that's, that's 29. Right. That's me. Then that's technically. Right. Technically, that's how math works. I, for some reason, I was saying 88, but thinking it was 89. Whatever. So, yeah, the June Foray also did a voice in this, and she actually recently just passed away at like 
97 years old, and she was the original voice of Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh. And like, and if you really want to be like, wow, she did a lot of voices, look, look her up. Mm. She did she, so much I think much we talked of, about her when we did Goofy Movie, or you yes. talked about her. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. She's really sweet. Bullwinkle is interesting because we were talking a little bit about who's not in this movie. Yeah. Like Popeye or mm. Ash, you wanted to see Felix the Cat. Oh, yeah. I mean, they had a little homage to him. Like they had his face over the the tunnel. The tunnel. But yeah, I it would have been cool to see Felix the Cat. Yeah. I'm guessing they didn't have the rights to use the Fletcher stuff. Because that was all, I think it was Fletcher. Anyway. Fleischer? Max Max Fleischer? Yeah. All right. So thanks for joining us for Roger Rabbit on Let's Rewatch. Yeah. If you like this show, this is part of the Last Dash TV network of content. Uh, it's this podcast and a YouTube channel uh, where we've got a drinking show and a cooking show and lots of video game parodies and a whole bunch of good stuff. Yeah. And yeah. 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 And you can follow us on Twitter. Um, we are at Last Dash TV on Twitter. And also this podcast specifically, if you just want to follow this podcast, we're at Let's Rewatch on Twitter. And we often post movie polls so that you can pick the movie. So I posted this poll and you guys picked with 46% Roger Rabbit. So thanks for picking. It was 48 votes. I will say, Brett, Running Man was the second choice. It was, it we, was runner up. We really up. need to watch it. A Dragonheart still lost, <laughs> which makes me sad every time it loses. Because I just want to see this movie. Dragonheart or Braveheart? Dragonheart. Not Braveheart. Okay. You know you're allowed to watch movies. No, I'm outside not. Outside of the podcast. No, I'm not. I feel like I am not allowed to watch old movies yeah. outside of the podcast. There's times when I'm like, I really want to watch Bram Stoker's Dracula. I can't. Exactly. I'm the same <laughs> way. Except for Nick, who apparently goes around and watches whatever he wants, including Kill Bill. Thanks a lot. Kill Bill is not old enough. It's it's over 10 years old. Yeah. We already did this math. That's it's true. also four hours long. I can't comprehend doing that for this podcast. The first podcast. movie is not Oh my God, please don't long. make me do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you liked our podcast, please give us a review on iTunes or Google Play. We truly do appreciate everything you have to say about our podcast, both positive and negative. So thank you so much for your feedback. Yeah. I just want to say also really quick, I hadn't looked at the... Uh, reviews in a long time on itunes and there were some really nice reviews from people so i just want to say thank Aww. you someone named forgiven 93 said that every episode has been entertaining if i had any complaint it would only be the time i have to wait in between episodes i thought Aww. yeah um and then nerdy geek 1206 said fun times all around love the concept of finding movies from your childhood and rewatching them interesting to hear who has and who has not watched the movie before viewing and then what their first impressions are versus the people who loved it great show and keep up the good work i also love your plug at the end can you really guess which option i'm choosing here and then a winky face <laughs> <laughs> which is that my line do they like my line maybe <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. So make sure your subscription is up to date and tell all your friends we'll be doing this again in another two weeks. <laughs> I, f- I found a movie that's a joke that I made that is I didn't realize was also a movie. Oh, no. Next time we're going to watch he can't say it. He can't it's make it through this movie title without laughing. Okay. Next time we're going to watch Night of the Day of the Dawn of the Son of the Bride oh and the Return of the God. Revenge of the Terror and the Attack of the Evil Mutant Hellbound Flesh-Eating Subhumanoid Zombified Living Dead Part 3. Part 3? <laughs> <laughs>